The fire only burns in your eyes at night. When the fox cut eyes and darts from the wood pile, the dum Hello everyone. I hope you all have survived Holy Week, at least for all you church musicians out there. I don't know if you saw, but I posted a chant video. It was my first vlog attempt, if that's what you call it. And it was pretty fun. And I think it got a bit of attention, so curious to think if that's a route I should be going in the future. Anyway, so for today's episode, I'm talking with a friend of mine, Lauren Castanis, who sings in the Trinity Choir and in Box 16. She's been pretty immersed in what they call the acapella scene, or just acapella. She leads a group called Girl Band, a six-voice women's group that performs arrangements of pop music. We talk about the acapella scene here in Seattle, something I really know little about, and how it's apparently thriving. It makes me wonder if this scene will be a gateway into other choral music for these singers. It does sound like they're doing the best outreach around here. If you want to check out Girl Band, you can catch a show on Saturday, April 28th at 7 p.m. at Trinity Parish Church in the Parish Hall. The show will also feature another acapella group, 2020. Details in the post. In the conversation, I kept referring to acapella as a genre. After looking around online, I discovered that it's considered a style, not a genre. From what I've picked up online, genre is the type of music, like classical, jazz, and style refers to a kind of subset of genre, like modern jazz. I think acapella does fall in the style category, so try not to be distracted by my mislabeling of acapella. Okay, I bring you Lauren Castanis. Today, I've got Lauren Castanis on the show. Lauren, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, Lauren, we're going to talk about acapella today. Uh, but first, why don't you say a little bit about your background and uh, how you came to get into a girl band and the acapella scene? Okay. Well, when I was younger, I was uh, into musical theater. And we have a term called musical theater nerd which you may not know, oh, choir nerd. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into musical theater uh, as kind of a late in middle school and very much in high school. And, but I didn't know anything about acapella at all. And I got to college. I went to Seattle University. And in the information packet that came out before freshman year, there were all these clubs listed out. And one of them um, on the schedule said that there were acapella auditions for the group. Wait for it. 
unauthorized to harmonize. Oh my god. Yes, exactly. Um, and on a whim, I was like, like whatever, fuck it, I'll audition. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I like singing. Uh-huh. Um, but I had not made it into musical in high school, and I went to Roosevelt High School, which has a very strong theater program. Uh-huh. And I was not good enough to get into musical. Looking back, I think it was because I didn't know how to tap dance, and the show was very tap heavy. Um, But I was like, I must be just a terrible singer. I must just be awful. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know. I'll try for acapella, sure. So, um, yeah, I was in Unauthorized to Harmonize in college, three years, directed one year. And uh, after we graduated, me and two of the people that I sang with in UF, as we affectionately call it. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well done. That's real. (laughs) We were like, oh, my God, I miss singing so much, and I miss the community. I miss the act of singing. I miss the, you know, creating music together and polishing things up and the sense of accomplishment that you get when something really comes together. Yeah. And so uh, my friend Kelly suggested that we start an acapella group. And she said, we know so many women who are incredible singers um, and have acapella and or choir experience. Let's put a dream team together Mm -hmm. and see what they want to do with this. Mm -hmm. And we must have sent messages to, I don't know, 14, 15 different people from SU and a couple from UPS. Mm -hmm. Um, Some graciously said no. Um, but many said that they were interested, and so we got together and kind of started workshopping some of our old stuff from college, uh, and that was 2014. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Before we get into that, uh, we should probably talk about what acapella is. How would you define acapella? Well, there's the method and there's the genre. Well, okay. it's not really a genre, but... I mean, the method is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. All vocal sounds, where yes. all of the music, everything that's happening is coming from somebody's voice. Now, there is debate about body percussion. Oh. And if that is within the realm of acapella, because mm-hmm. it's not a voice, mm-hmm. but it is using the human body as the instrument. So I think there's a case for it, in my opinion. Um, when we talk about acapella more specifically within the um, contemporary sense, I mean, it, there's a broad range. You know, barbershop fits in there. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of your, your collegiate groups, your big pop sounds, your pentatonics, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there, there's, a pretty, there's a pretty broad range. When did this genre um, take off? I don't know exactly when it took off. Um, over the last 20 years, there's been, um, I guess, increasing visibility and probably a lot more um, infusion of contemporary pop in the collegiate acapella scene especially. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the Ivy acapella groups have been around for, I don't even know how long. Right. Seems like forever. I feel like they do more barbershop yeah. kind of music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because when I think of acapella as a genre and try to imagine where it might have come from, we get, um, you know, 40s and 50s swing, if you go back super far, sort of acapella stuff, but they weren't really, a barbershop would be the closest thing. And then you have, I don't know, like the super nerdy acapella stuff they did at Yale and all these Ivy League Uh schools, which probably is very similar to barbershop. 
But then you have uh, groups like, oh, boys to men. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are groups that uh, don't always perform unaccompanied. They they usually have instruments, in fact. But but I feel like they're born out of that tradition. Yeah, I mean, acapella is their bread and butter. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I'm sure there's there's a bunch of other groups I'm missing along the way. Um, I mean, my grandmother, she, back in the 40s, was in a female quartet, and they did not often perform unaccompanied, um, but when, when you hear their recordings and, and, and you hear what they're doing, I mean, it's, it's very, um, it's not quite barbershop, but it's, it's definitely kind of the, the foundation of what acapella today yeah, is. Yeah, it's a focus on uh, harmony, uh, mm-hmm. vocal harmony, basically, is, I think, a huge part of it. You know, when you look, so I'm just, I'm just brainstorming here. So you get into the '90s, and you get groups like Rockapella. Mm. For me, they just started to define the acapella genre more, at least the 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 contemporary version of it. Calling barbershop acapella feels weird. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Is there something to I I noticed that that there is um, an interest in arranging. Uh, exist covers of songs into the contemporary acapella genre is that do you think that's a huge part of it I do I think that that's really an entry point for a lot of people I think it's um, acapella is very accessible um, but I also think that there's a lot of uh, room and range for musicianship and for artistic expression because you do have even acapella groups that are really um, coming from mostly covers where that's how they started and that's how they grew more and more groups nowadays are moving into original music um, that is written for acapella as opposed to um, a song that is then arranged for acapella yeah. yeah interesting I mean the first when I first started hearing about acapella um, I w- was watching Glee and <laughs> uh, I heard about pentatonics and I think their appeal was that they were covering popular songs that everyone knew. Um, and, uh, but they, they, I didn't think of them as artists doing original stuff, but you're saying it's sort of moving towards original, right? Oh yeah, I mean, Pentatonix did a whole album of original music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you th- is that being well received or do you feel like the interest is still there even though they're not doing covers as much anymore? I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I know there's a lot of encouragement um, within the acapella community for people to branch out into original music. You know, a lot of the competitions these days have awards for best original song. Um, so th- there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of motivation from from different people to write original music. Um, as far as does it appeal in the same way to the general population that's not really immersed in the acapella world, mm-hmm. I do not know. Mm-hmm. How does the acapella performing community think of, what do you think about karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> Is it something they enjoy doing? <laughs> um, karaoke, you know, you're still, it's just a fun thing. You're singing other people's stuff but you, there's no original twist on it. I, I just wonder, do they look down on karaoke or do they don't, you know, they're kind of whatever? I don't know anybody who looks down on karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> 
myself included. <laughs> um, I have a blast at karaoke. I think if anything, I get stressed out at karaoke that I'm going to look like the asshole for like trying to sing well because like karaoke's fun, you know, karaoke's like an opportunity to let down your hair and let loose and you know, um, and so if anything, I, I get nervous during karaoke because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like that person, you know? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I grew up in uh, a group that did karaoke and took it very seriously. But, you know, when you're out there doing karaoke, people are drinking. You don't want to be the dick that goes up there and is, like, trying. Uh, so, okay, well, that's, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, everybody that I know loves karaoke. Yeah. Recently, you've, you've started, and this is how I, I know you more, is uh, you're singing in Trinity and in Vox 16. Uh, how has singing other music, or, or has that enlightened anything about singing in that transition? Yeah, it, it has, and um, I expected that it would, which is why I reached out to you in the first place. Yeah. I still remember it was, it was um, let's see, it must have been 2015, and um, I, was in a, I was at a point where... I felt like I was plateauing um, with my skill set and that I didn't have as much to offer this group that I'm leading, uh, namely girl band. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, if I want to stay at the forefront, if I want to make sure that our group continues to grow, I have to be able to give something, I have to have something to offer. And I think I need to improve my technical singing. I think I need to improve my sight reading. I think I need to improve my understanding of more classical theory because um i mean pop really draws on the you know entire history of, of music mm -hmm. and um when you understand the foundations of something it's a lot when you know the rules you can better break the rules yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so so that's really what i was looking for when i when i approached you about joining trinity mm -hmm. and um my my sense of pitch has definitely improved. My sense of tuning, mm -hmm. um, sight reading for sure. Although in acapella that doesn't have as much um, weight because we just memorize all our music, so it's not as important of a skill. Mm -hmm. um, but it's useful in rehearsal. Mm -hmm. um, I think my this is interesting, but my ability to distinguish the different pitches that are being sung simultaneously has improved. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, I remember back in the day in college um, when I was saddled with providing music direction for a, you know, 15-person group, and we'd sing a chord, and I would be like, something is not right, but my ear can't pick out what it is. Right. And I, I'm much better at that now. Yeah. Yeah. How is it vocally different, if it is? What do you mean? Singing um, church music. In a, in a choir uh, than compared to uh, in an acapella group? Well, for me as an alto, um, I spend most of my time in acapella in my chest voice. Uh -huh. And I take my chest voice up pretty high. Mm -hmm. In choir, I struggle to bring my head voice down much lower <laughs> than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. You know this because <laughs> this is something that we have talked about all the time. <laughs> um, so that is a huge difference. And... Um, additionally, there's, when you're singing on your own part in acapella, um, 
you have to really walk the line between making sure that if you're a background part, um, that you're blending well with the other parts. And I know you hate that word. <laughs> oh, you've listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but having specific voices stick out in acapella does not work as well as it does in choral music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, in my opinion, just a tuning problem. Okay. Um, whereas in, in choral music, what I've found is that it's not only acceptable, it's even encouraged to have your voice stand out and have your part be heard uniquely yeah. against the other parts. Yeah, I say go for time in choral music. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I bring up something that's always bugged me a little bit about acapella, okay. about the acapella genre. Okay, shoot. When I started watching Glee, I thought it was making fun of itself. I thought it was making fun of how dorky acapella can be. But I learned to realize after watching the second season where I, where I gave it up, <laughs> that they were actually for real. Now, what's, um, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this um, reaction to acapella music. Do you see that? Um, and, you know, does it even occur to you? Do you feel like some people are doing it as a parody? Hmm. Well, first of all, I'd pose the question, do like you hokey, see that? Hokey, maybe hokey. Hokey, sure, sure. Do you see that as a problem? Yeah. I like to understand how I should appreciate something. When you're watching a movie, for example, you can watch a terrible... I just watched uh, The Room, which a uh-huh. uh, fellow girl band, Laura Larson, recommended, which is a, like, a real terrible movie. But it's actually still a great time because it's so terrible but then i don't think the movie is making fun of itself i think it's doing it seriously mm-hmm. and um that's one of the things i'd like to know how i'm supposed to accept mm-hmm. the movie and so are you laughing at somebody who doesn't know that you're laughing at them or doesn't want you to be laughing at them <laughs> yeah right yeah i'm trying to figure out um do acapella performers, like, does the ho- it's, like, not in the, it's not part of the recipe, or that's not part of the music, is its hokiness. Like, it's all done seriously from their point of view. Not necessarily. I don't, I think... Think, I'm, I don't think I'm bringing up this issue very well, or, <laughs> or expressing myself very well, but anyways, <laughs> we're getting there. No, go ahead. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, I don't think that um, it's necessarily always unintentional. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, acapella in live performance really is about entertainment. Uh-huh. And um, when you look at musical theater, in a very similar way, it's very kind of like it's very, yeah. I don't know, yeah. um, exaggerated maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so, and then there are some groups that really, that's the personality, that, that's the brand, yeah. in a sense. Um, I see this a lot with all-male uh, collegiate groups. Mm-hmm. They have kind of a shtick that they do. Yeah. Um, but because they perform their music well, 
it's it's not distracting. It it, it complements what's going on really well. Um, there are, I will say, groups that um, take themselves and their music very seriously, yeah. and I think that this is maybe what you're getting at with, with Glee, uh -huh. um, and I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean... I, I, I've seen a group recently who performed, and it was so hokey, almost like they were making fun of acapella in a way or they were just super cheesy I guess maybe is a better word and it made me wonder if they were if they were actually genuinely cheesy or if they were trying to bring cheese to the performance because um, they were you know making like a understate you know mm -hmm. a, a, a sub statement or something about the genre maybe I'm looking like way too deep into <laughs> this maybe but uh, maybe that's because I take everything way too seriously. So. <laughs> but it's yeah. But it sounds like, by and large, people people are doing this as a serious thing, and they're not trying to make fun of themselves. Or I don't know. When you see cheesiness, I think that's often intentional. I uh -huh. think that people are making a choice there about gotcha. how they're going to present their group's um, style and their group's uh, persona. I suppose. Yeah. 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 Cool. I mean, there That's was... just, that might be just part of the, part of the package. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, girl band generally doesn't um, take that approach. Yes, I just want to make clear that I'm not talking about girl band. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's not a problem, why does it matter? <laughs> but I will say um, there have been a couple of instances where we added some uh, light staging, if you will, yeah. um, for a purpose. And um, so one of those times was at the Pacific Northwest Harmony Sweepstakes. Yeah. So we put together some light staging, some blocking, uh -huh. um, some crossing down stage for emphasis. Uh -huh. uh, it actually was very well received in a couple of our pieces. One of our pieces won best arrangement. Yes, um, that was your, your arrangement. That's, that's correct. Yeah. And um, I, well, I don't want to give too much credit to the staging. I think that the, the moment where we all crossed down stage right before the really the, the peak of the piece, I think that really uh, made an impact. Yeah. Okay. And then another time where we actively, intentionally were hokey was when we were doing a surprise song for one of our members who was leaving. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Caroline. And it was her last show, would have been November of uh, 2016. And I secretly arranged um, just a snippet of Sweet Caroline. And um, after rehearsal, we would all pretend like we were leaving. And Caroline would go. And we'd all, like, hurry back into the rehearsal room and take another, like, 30 <laughs> minutes to, to put this piece together. And we added some very hokey, intentionally hokey choreography. Gotcha. Some, mm -hmm. like, arm, you know, spans yes. and some yes. pointing mm -hmm. and some, like, shimmying with the shoulders. It was all very intentionally hokey. What I what I wouldn't want to turn toward, and this is kind of a, a my I don't know a different thought on this topic that we haven't really hit on yet. Yeah. What I wouldn't want to do is add hokiness to excuse poor musicianship. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't want to make a joke out of what we're doing because our music didn't, you know, pass the test. Right. Totally. And I don't think that people do that. I don't think that that's, that's an intentional thing that happens, but it can kind of be like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, 
with Sweet Caroline, for example, we were like, we know this song is ridiculous and overdone and, you know, we, yeah, th th there is kind of an element of um, telling the audience that, like, you're in on yeah, the yeah. laughs. Well, and there is totally a thing where people use their showmanship to sort of hide some musical flaws. Who is the acapella audience? Who are these fans? Well, um, in the early days, of course, it's your best friends and your family. Yes, in <laughs> most music endeavors, it is. I'm sure you're intimately familiar with oh, this yeah. phenomenon. Um, and a lot of times it's um, other people who are interested in acapella. Uh -huh. um, but I don't know. I think that there is a lot of crossover with um, people who are interested in musical theater. Um, I think there's a decent amount of crossover with people who are into jazz, mm -hmm. um, because yeah. of how, how nicely vocal jazz fits into the picture. And I think especially for people who, um, are not singers, but are musicians or are musically inclined, there's something so different about acapella. Um, and so one place that we have performed a number of times is the, Capital Cider Monday Night Jam Session, mm -hmm. which is a great one. And the first few times we went up there, we were like, are we being total assholes right now? <laughs> <laughs> because the principle of the jam session is you have all different musicians playing all different instruments, and one by one they kind of swap in and out, and you collectively agree on a piece to play, and everyone gets their improv time, and that's kind of how it works. Um, and when you're doing an acapella piece, it's very planned and very rehearsed. And so you're kind of saying, excuse me for a moment. We're just going to take over the stage and do this. Um, but I'd kind of floated it by a couple of people. And they were like, totally, go for it. Get in here. Uh -huh. And people were super into it. And I mean, we got some people coming to our shows after that because they saw us specifically there. Yeah. And then there are some people that um, at the Ballard Farmer's Market, we often perform. We perform there about once a month. And um, a lot of people that, that hear us there and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Especially if they've never heard, or they're, they're not, they haven't heard a lot of exclusively vocal music. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We should talk a little bit about girl band um, before, we, before we end. Yeah, we started girl band in 2014. Uh, myself and Kelly Cox and Caroline Halter. Um, the three of us sang together at Seattle University in Unauthorized to Harmonize, and uh, we just wanted to start a group. And so we got together a group of eight women at first, and there was a little bit of shuffling of the roster in the beginning. People were kind of feeling it out, seeing if it was going to work for them or not, their schedule, their kind of travel, everything, if it was going to fit into their lives. Um, and our first year was a lot of exploration, both of who we were as a group, our kind of group identity, our brand, our sound, very much our sound, mm -hmm. as well as who we individually were as musicians and what we were interested and willing to give and what we wanted to get out of being part of Girl Band. Mm -hmm. um, so after that first year, a couple of people chose to leave the group, one person moved away, um, and we ended up with only five people in our second year. We added um, Laura Larson in year two, and there were five of us. Um, and that was a totally different challenge mm -hmm. because we had all come from 
mid-sized groups, you know, um, 14, 15 people in college, going down to a seven-person group um, was very different because we were only doubled on one or two parts. So usually in collegiate acapella, you have at least one, if not two other people on your part with you. Um, so this was um, a first for, for some of us singing alone on our parts and having to hold it down. Mm -hmm. And then once we were down to five, we were very much almost exclusively on our own parts. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that did a lot for us individually as musicians and collectively as a group. I mean, it was blatantly obvious when somebody was off, when somebody was sharping, you know, um, it was just, and there wasn't as, there's not as much for you to fall back on mm -hmm. um, with other people singing on your part. Yeah. Um, so that, that really did a lot for our sound. We also, in, in the first year, we only did, I think, one original arrangement, maybe two. All the rest we had pulled from our collegiate groups. And so we were kind of um, borrowing from a, a sound that wasn't uniquely ours. In our second year, Rachel Whitcomb really started uh, doing arrangements specifically for our group, for girl band. Okay. And it, it definitely shifted how we understood our sound and how we understood our voices as they worked together. So who, about the arranging, do you all take a share of the load in the, the arranging or um, is it primarily one person? There are currently, of the six of us, um, Four of us arrange five. It's an all. Just so we made this clear, it's an all women's group. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, so how do you um, learn to arrange? Is it something that you kind of learn as they're doing, or did you all take any classes or anything to to you know help you? I never took any classes in arranging, and I don't. I don't think that um, anybody else did. There were there are a number of people in the group who studied music in college, uh, formally, you know, academically, um, which I'm sure provided a you know significant foundation um, just for how to put together an arrangement. And I, I will say that I had I had a you know I did have some formal music education when I was younger. I took you know piano classes and familiar with key signatures and notation and scales. I mean, kind of the, the basic kind of building blocks that you need just to even put music on paper. Right. But the actual art of arranging, especially for acapella, is a very, it, 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 it's a bigger animal mm -hmm. than just, you know, notation. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, I had major imposter syndrome, and I was like... <laughs> Are you not familiar with imposter syndrome? No, I like it though. You've never heard of imposter syndrome? <laughs> no, I have not. Wow, okay. <laughs> imposter syndrome. Enlighten, enlighten me. <laughs> is the feeling that you don't belong where you are, that you haven't really, that, that you're there by a fluke, that it's a mistake. Uh, uh. That maybe the job that you have, you're not actually qualified for. Oh, You've just been fooling people all along and you're an imposter. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I do think it's interesting that you have not heard of this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well. um, so I had major imposter syndrome around arranging, and I felt like, oh, well, I don't have, you know, a formal music theory degree. I haven't been instructed on how to arrange. And so all through college, I wanted to arrange, and I had ideas about pieces that I wanted to do, 
but I never went for it. And it wasn't until my, uh, the second year in girl band, um, I was visiting some family in Greece and I heard a song on the radio, Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. Mm. And I was like, I can arrange this. I can do this. I hear what I want to put on paper. I can totally do this right now. I just grabbed a piece of paper, started blocking out what I wanted the arrangement to look like and what I wanted each of the sections to sound like. And then I just pulled out, we use um, NoteFlight, which is an online music notation software, Mm -hmm. web-based, it's great. Um, And I just started notating and it just kind of poured out of me. And um, I I asked Caroline, uh, we, we were rooming together at the time, I asked her to look over it and she was like, this is good. Yeah. This looks really good. This hangs together. It, it flows. And yeah, I have to say, just this, everyone should check out, uh, I think Lauren is a natural arranger, and if you haven't already, you should check out her arrangement of uh, Down to the River to Pray that uh, has made the rounds on Facebook after you did it at Trinity with Girl Band and uh, uh, recently Maggie Ensemble uh performed it and they're taking it to Estonia so uh, yeah everyone check that out what a huge honor with arranging covers being the sort of bread and butter of the acapella scene how do you deal with licensing it depends on um what format you're releasing it in so uh technically speaking Arranging covers of someone else's copyrighted material is a violation of copyright. Yeah. All acapella groups cover. Uh, yes. And, and if you're going to release them, it, if you're going to sell it, you have to pay for the rights. Yeah. And you can yeah. do that. I mean, I'm, I imagine it must be similar to when we record a CD of other people's music, especially composers that are that are that are not in the public domain, composers that are still alive. Mm-hmm. You have to pay. You have to go through Harry Fox or something. You pay. Um, you pay them a percentage of how many CDs you want to sell and all right. that stuff. Do you have to go through the same process yes. if you want to sell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you're performing um, in a show where you're selling tickets, um, so for example, in the Harmony Sweepstakes competition, they pay for the rights for each group to perform the songs that they're performing. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and definitely for, for releasing a CD, um, there used to be a site called Louder, uh-huh. um, but that closed. So now I think SoundDrop is what people are using mm-hmm. um, to, to get licenses to, to record and release their covers. Uh-huh. Has there ever been the original artist, have they ever come forward and say, no, I don't want you to do that. Take it off. Huh. Take it down. Um, well, I got banned from Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have too at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, Universal Music Group found a couple of our videos to be in violation of their copyrights. And they, after the, I think, second violation, when I didn't take everything down immediately, they banned me for three days. And they were like, you need to get our property off your Facebook page. Wow. What YouTube does is they allow Universal to um, receive ad revenue from yes. our videos, which I that's fine by me. That is yeah. fine as long as we can have our content somewhere. That's I, yeah. I mean, it's it's their property. They fine take the ad revenue. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but Facebook doesn't even let you keep your content up there. Um, you know, there was a little moment. It was like I was kind of proud. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, we're famous enough that Universal is like take it off. 
How do you feel the acapella scene is locally? Do you think it's a rich scene? Uh, you think there's a lot of a lot of groups out there? Yes, I do. It's um, it's so cool. We we really um, came in at a at a beautiful time. I mean, there's so much growth right now in the acapella scene in Seattle and the Northwest in in general. Um, and I have to plug the Contemporary Acapella Musicians Institute, which is a local nonprofit founded in 2015 um, by four people who are deeply involved in the acapella scene um, all throughout Washington and really have been doing a lot of work to expand the educational resources and also performance opportunities for groups around the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're doing is so important. I really, um, as, as you know, in my professional life, I am a grant writer at a nonprofit and um, I've written a couple grants um, for CAMI, that's the abbreviation, um, and I'm really interested in how we can, you know, increase funding for, for that nonprofit because there are, these, these nonprofits exist elsewhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the Contemporary Acapella Society of America, um, the uh, Women's Acapella Association, I think it's called, uh, the Contemporary Acapella League, I mean, these, these exist and they're around the country and they put on festivals and they're very well attended. And they provide a really um, rich repository of resources and, and opportunities for people who want to perform a cappella, who want to start groups, who just want to attend. I mean, they, they really are um, crucial organizations for, for the, the, the scene, for the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that we have one now in the Northwest that's, that's growing. Do you think... The local scene is oversaturated. Not at all. No, I mean, I think that there is still so much room for, um, I don't know, people to find their niche. There's room for more groups. There's room for more women's groups, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity and the more visibility and traction um, that we can get f- just for acapella as an art form, um, I don't know. I think the 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 more beautiful our, our world will be. The more the merrier. Absolutely. <laughs> Before we go, um, you should tell us who your favorite acapella groups are, and uh, who should we pay attention to other than girl band. <laughs> um, well, of course, um, there's our local friends, C Note, Twenty Twenty Acapella, Cascade. Um, we recently made friends with B-Side Book Club Acapella in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, the Portland Timbre is also uh, uh, big in Portland. Um, those are some of the some some local groups. Um, one group that is pretty new, um, but they're doing really cool stuff. They're called Hive. They're a women's group, um, and it's five women who are all pretty uh, legendary in the acapella community. Um, and they're really doing a lot to um, make meaningful music um and really connect uh really connect their art with um their values and Mm -hmm. and um strongly recommend to follow them on social media check out their music they're great great talk about vocal percussion I, i do think this is something we should touch on that i think that is uh maybe the the secret sauce to acapella is the presence of a vocal percussionist. Uh, maybe that's what most separates it from all the previous uh, unaccompanied genres that 
happened before. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a very defining feature of the contemporary acapella scene is uh, vocal percussion. There's an important distinction between beatboxing and vocal percussion. Vocal percussion, the, the function really is to emulate a drum kit, whereas beatboxing has, it's, it's a much wider range of sounds. There's a lot more kind of electronic and like synthy kind of sounds. Um, I think that it serves much more to um, showcase the beatboxer as a performer, whereas vocal percussion is um, generally used as a complement to round out the, the full sound of an acapella group. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I've always thought they were the same. I don't know. Maybe there's arguments that they are the same thing, but yeah, that's not how I see it. Do you do that for do a girl it. band? Um, I have. I have in the past, yeah. What's um, it sound like? Give us a few bars here. I mean, nice. you know, you have your kick drum, you have your hats, you have your snares. There's a bunch of different, like, snare sounds. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our person who does VP is excellent. I mean, she's got a wonderful kit, and she's super clean, super crisp. Um, she has these really great toms that she does. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I've heard uh, some vocal percussionists also do bass lines. Yeah, you can, you can really work them in together. You can kind of integrate. Yeah. Yeah, What's she. Like one person that's normally responsible for that. I wouldn't say so. Generally, you have a person who is your bass, and they are singing the bass line, and you have somebody else who is oh, doing VP. Right. Okay. Um, but there are opportunities um, for whoever's doing VP to also maybe throw in some notes or you know add a little, mm. you know, yeah, a little flair. And um, Finica, who is um, she, she does she does VP on. Um, a new piece that we're doing uh, this season, and she adds some some bass at some cru crucial p points during the piece. Right. Yeah, and then also uh, China Spencer has done vocal percussion for girl band, um, as well as Lindsay Long, uh, Gabby Tomadano has done it as well. So yeah. there are a number of us that that are developing our kits, nice. as they say. <laughs> so tell us where uh, we can follow you online, girl band. And yourself. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook. Um, we're at Girl Band Acapella. Please note, Acapella has two P's and two L's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Girl Band Seattle. And we're very active on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Um, I need to update our YouTube channel with our most recent videos, uh, but those will be coming soon. Great. Great. Well, thanks so much, Lauren, for sharing the acapella world with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to um, offer some insight from my little corner of the singing world. Yes, it's a, <laughs> I have to admit, it's quite a blind spot in my, for me. So uh, that, was very, that was very helpful. Well, I'm sure that um, when we hear your arrangement of T-Pain's Can't Believe It. <laughs> I know, I've been promising, promising this for a while. <laughs> any, time, any day now. Any should, day now. It should, it should come to life. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see, to see what you come up with and to, I don't know. Watch your process and see how see how it comes alive. I mean, I've you know heard heard your your choral works performed by mm. choral singers, um, so I'm curious to see who you're gonna who you're gonna pick up for. <laughs> well, just keep those expectations nice and low. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, we'll okay, do. Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks, Lauren, for being the podcast. We'll uh, have you on again soon, hopefully. Great, thanks, Mark David. <laughs>